Wife Club members, how's everybody today? I'm your host, Robert Woodley, and very excited today because we have a guest co-host, Johnny. Johnny, say hello. Hi. Johnny's a therapist, so I thought it would be an awesome idea to have a, uh, a therapist on the show to kind of give us a little bit more of a professional insight. I mean, everybody listening has my insight for all of these episodes, so I thought it would be great to have a licensed professional counselor with us. So, Johnny, tell us a little bit about you. Okay. So, I was a teacher for 10 years, and then I became a mental health counselor, and uh, I'm currently a school-based mental health counselor. I'm a licensed professional counselor. Um, I'm also a personal trainer. I'm also a nutrition coach. And I'm also a national certified counselor. So I have a lot of expensive letters after my name. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, my main work is just working with kids right now. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. It's a lot of uh, self-care there. Yeah. So that's really cool. So one of the things that I wanted to talk about um, on this podcast and have all the, uh, um, the listeners here is how awesome it is to go to therapy. Now, when people talk about, you know, therapy, therapists, they talk about counselors, they talk about psychologists, there's such a negative stigma to it. And I know counselors try very hard to pull that stigma away. And that's kind of what I want to do. I want to pull away from that, that, uh, that stigma that everybody thinks, oh, you must be crazy if you're going to counseling. You must be broken if you're going to counseling. Um, and I'll be, you know, the first to admit it on air. I've gone through counseling before. I've, uh, I've spent time with two different counselors. I've had my kids go to um, uh, counseling with me, and not because we were broken, not because there was anything wrong. It's it, it's a great, great preventative maintenance measure. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, absolutely. I think, um, like, I have my own therapist. I think it's it's important for us to have therapy, especially when we're going through, like, huge life events, you know, big life changes. Um or past trauma. A lot of people have a lot of past trauma that they have just not ever dealt with before. So I think it's important for us to like really be aware of that because we can bring that trauma into relationships over and over and over again. Absolutely. And, and, and if you don't learn how to get by that trauma, how to get by that, those challenges from the last relationship. And I'm glad you just brought that up because I want to bring up something. And I feel as though, and you let me know what you think. I feel as though if you are getting out of a bad relationship and no matter how bad that other individual was, it could be the worst guy or the worst woman in the world, they, they are only 95% of the problem there is definitely something that you could have done better. And if you don't identify that, and if you don't fix it, you're only going to bring it back into the next relationship. The best relationships are when you identify that problem and you've moved on to that next relationship without, without repeating those, those issues. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's one of the reasons why we pick the same people over and over again. And a lot of times we pick people that remind us of our dad or our mom or whoever it was that maybe was an abuser in our life or, um, you know, there's themes of rejection. There's themes of um, need for something that they never got. Um, Sometimes we fill ourselves. It's kind of like, I like to think about it like a big hole in our in our Mm -hmm. gut, you know, and we try to stuff it with stuff with other people and with, you know, stuff, things. And, um, when we do that, we're, we're, we're not, we're trying to fill a need that we have 
that maybe is a need that can be filled in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree. And the, uh, the crazy thing is, is I've led people down that path to, you know, in that conversation and they still don't get it. I had a, uh, a Facebook friend not too long ago um, talk about a bad breakup that they had. And I said, you know, that's, you know, I, I feel bad for you. Nobody likes a bad breakup. I said, but what did you learn from that? And they said, well, what do you mean, Robert? This, this guy was horrible. And I said, no, what did you learn? Like, what can you fix? And she said, well, that's silly. I, I, if I look back at myself, I know that what I need to fix is I need to pick people better. And I said, no, that, that just totally, I mean, I dropped it there, but that, that's somebody who's in denial. That's saying I didn't do it. So if you're listening to this podcast, you need to look at your previous relationships and you need to say, you know, what's that 1% or that 3% of, that I could have done better and fix it going to the next one. And if you don't know, go to therapy, right. go to a therapist, right? Yeah. Or, or ask a friend. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, that's what therapy is. A lot of times people, the the stigma, like you were talking about, the stigma of therapy, people say, oh, people are going to think I'm crazy. Well, therapy isn't about being crazy. I mean, sure, there are people who are severely mentally ill, but just because you're going to therapy doesn't mean you're, you know, crazy. I I obviously don't like that term. Right. There's a lot of terms I don't like. People use a lot of like, you know, psychological terms in the wrong way, like gaslighting. And we're, we're, we're definitely going to have lots of episodes about that because I, I know we can do a whole show just on um, narcissism and, and right. gaslighting and yeah. borderline personality disorders. And right. there, there's a whole bunch of them we can talk about. Um, and, and people throw around those terms mm-hmm. loosely. So if you're listening to this podcast and you do want to hear more about that, we will do more episodes on that stuff. Um, but uh, I, I'm a firm believer in, in getting therapy before you need therapy. So sometimes it's, you know, let's not put gas in the car after you ran out of gas. Let's just keep it going and, and keep that right. Um, I believe uh, regular therapy when you're getting into a relationship or even if you've been in a long-term relationship is healthy. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, I always feel like when I get couples who come in and obviously now I'm having like lots of parents that come in mm-hmm. and I see over and over and over again, especially the divorced ones, that the problems that the kids are exhibiting go back to the family issues that were happening wow. with the parents and that the parents never resolved their stuff. And so they just translate that into the kid. Wow. And then the kid, what's the kid going to do? Well, that's what they're learning so they're likely to repeat those those cycles. So the kids of what you're seeing is kind of an extension of the issues that they're seeing at home. Oh yeah, absolutely. Wow, that's, that's amazing. And I, I can totally see that. And it's easy, like you were saying earlier, to like shove things under the carpet and blame mm-hmm. the other person, especially when you're going through a breakup, you know? I mean, I'm going through a divorce right now myself and it's really easy for us to blame each other for things, but it took Two to tango, you know, we had unresolved issues from before that, you know, we carried forward. And and so I'm, I personally understand that I have a lot of empathy for these, for these families that are going through this. Right. But at the same time, I mean, you know, I think about like all of my couples that I deal with, if they had had therapy in the very beginning, like premarital therapy, Mm -hmm. or if they had gone to therapy when they were dating, I mean, that seems weird, but I mean, why not? You go to the dentist regularly, right? I'm a firm believer in that, but let's talk about what you just said. It seems weird. So when you are dating somebody and um, 
you're getting down that road and you're starting to get to know them and you're starting to gel with that other person and you see some things that maybe um, can't can't be quite figured out on your own and you think therapy might be the right way to go, um, how would you recommend bringing that up to that person you're in a relationship with? I mean, do you just say, hey, we should go to therapy? Or like in your opinion, what do you think is the the best way for, for a listener listening to this podcast to approach that subject with their significant other? I always feel it's important in relationships, whether it's parent child or, you know, spouse or, or just dating or, or even, you know, siblings or whoever that you meet people where they are. So you use the language that they would use. So if like, you know, your significant other says, Oh, I would never go see a shrink. You know, then you know that's not the word to use. Right. But then, you know, it's it's kind of like anything in a relationship. It's 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 partly boundaries too. You mm-hmm. know, you have to kind of think about if this person is unwilling to like go see someone who can help balance things and, you know, maybe see some things that, that might be problems down the road ahead of time and work on them, you know, in that moment, then is that really somebody that you want to be with? Right. So it brings up a good point. So um, I think step one is approaching the situation with your significant other and saying, hey, you know what, I, I think that there's some issues here that we haven't been able to resolve on our own. And I think we should see a professional. What do you, I mean, what do you do or what do you say if that person says, absolutely not, I don't need to go? I mean, is is it, is there anything that you can say to kind of get around that? Or do you think it's, you know, you can only lead a horse to water. I mean, do you just walk away? I want to answer this in a way that I think might be inappropriate. There's, yeah, there's because... a professional answer, and then there's the, the the Chani answer. Right. I mean, the word manipulation popped in my head. And as a therapist, you know, it's important, I think, to like sometimes say that. You know, when you were saying that to me, I thought of this word that was negative. Like, um, you know, in therapy, a lot of times we, we use reframing, which is mm-hmm. to take something that somebody said and kind of reword it the way that you think that they meant it. Mm-hmm. And those are some techniques that you can use, you know, or, or just explaining this is really important to me. And, you know, if you care about me, then, you know, compromise maybe. Right. No, I, I can see it that way. And, um, yeah, I, I just, and correct me if you think I'm wrong, but sometimes I believe that Somebody who is having a challenge with you, you know, I'm not pointing the finger whether it's that person or if it's yourself that might be wrong. I feel like they don't want to go to therapy because it's a control issue. If they go to therapy, that therapist is in control. That therapist is now in control of the challenge between the two individuals and that person loses control and that person probably knows that they're doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. that they're wrong yep. and they no longer have control of the situation and, right. and they might look bad in front of the therapist. Am I right. right? Well, and I think that that's part of why the word manipulation popped into mm-hmm. my head. That's because what, that's what made me think that. It's yes. Yeah, it would, it, I mean, definitely people who are afraid of therapy generally have things that they're, you know, they don't want to bring out or they're scared that somebody's going to find out something about them or maybe they're even afraid that, the therapist is going to agree with their, you know, the significant other and not with them. And they're going to look foolish and feel, you know, but therapists are, tra- we're trained not to triangulate. We're mm-hmm. trained not to get into the middle of things. You know, mm-hmm. our job is to be 
like an objective observer from the outside. And, you know, we see, we see relationships as something that is between the two people and we have empathy so we can step into their shoes, see the world from their eyes. Right. Right. And then step out of that relatively unchanged and then be able to use our tools to help them. Right. So, I mean, that's, I think that that's a lot of the stigma of therapy too. It's, it's kind of like, like when I go to a party sometimes and people ask me what I do and I'm like, um, <laughs> I'm a therapist and then everybody just part their ways. Well, there's two responses. Either or, they, or they, they start the to tell me, right. <laughs> oh, I have a friend. <laughs> right. Right. Um, and so it's, yeah, I mean, it, it is kind of a, you know, an, an interesting like way that our society sees mental health. We don't see it necessarily like we see going to the gym. Mm-hmm. But it's it's similar. I mean, your brain and your body work together. You got to you got to get them both going. So let's talk about that. So if if I'm in a relationship and things are going pretty well, like there's no real issues. I mean, every couple is going to bicker or argue about little things, but if there's no real issues and things are going okay, do you still recommend therapy? And if that's a yes, if that's a yes, how often? That's a big question. I mean, it just depends, you know? I mean, people have unresolved issues from their past sometimes that they think that they've resolved. Mm-hmm. And then it's it's kind of like like if I have a past trauma, one of the things that it's likely for me to do is to start, man- there's the manipulation word again, to start like kind of pushing my partner into that role. Mm-hmm. of the abuser that was in my life before. So I've seen like relationships change over time and people become people that they weren't originally because it's kind of like they're being molded into that, right. you know? And it is a form of manipulation. It really is because manipulation, I mean the definition of manipulation is somebody's convincing you to do something but you don't you don't think that they're convincing you to do it. You know, you don't know, you don't know that it's not you making that decision. So, so you mentioned past partners. So a piece of this is from what it sounds like is that people are bringing things from their past relationships into the new relationships that you start off on a bad foot. You're not even giving them the chance that they need to start from square one because it's already, you know, starting off in a negative light. Yeah. And, and sometimes they don't even know that, you know, right. Um, it's like the, um, I call I call the the white knight and the and the the princess you know the mm-hmm. princess in the tower kind of syndrome right. where you've got either the man or the woman playing the white knight I'm going to save this person <laughs> right. I'm going to help them you know they've been in past abusive relationships and I'm such a great person that I'm going to like I'm going to sweep them off their feet and make them like you know feel so good about themselves the fixer. right and then two years, three years, four years when the honeymoon's over mm-hmm. and then that might problems be two, start three to months. develop. <laughs> it could right? be, it could be. Yeah. I mean, sometimes that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> um, Cause then you, you're more likely to identify it, but it's, it's like an abusive partner. The abusive partner doesn't come in and punch you in the face in the first date. Right. You know, they're they put gonna, on their best face. Right. They're going to groom you into that role. It is kind of a grooming process, you know, which which makes it kind of icky because we identify that with like predators. Right. No, I, I I agree, and I've always said that you really don't know somebody 
that um, you don't really see the true them mm-hmm. until, you know, months down the line, could be six months, depending on how, how often you see them, could be six months, could be a year. So go on and on. Um, another thing that I wanted to bring up, you know, as we're on this topic and the subject is going down, there are people listening to this podcast right now saying, there's no way I can afford a therapist. I can't mm-hmm. go to a therapist every week or every other week. And I know um, in a, I, I've spoken to some couples therapists in Scottsdale, Arizona that were charging $175 an hour. Yeah. And, you know, there are people listening to this right now saying, I, I can't afford that. What do I do? And, I know there's options because I've used them. You know, every, most people, if you're listening to this podcast right now, talk to your HR department and ask for EAP. We all hear about EAP, Employee Assistance Program. And I bet 99% of the people listening to this podcast ignore it. And do you want to talk about it from your standpoint? Well, yeah. Um, e- employee Assistance Programs are great. And a lot more employers are actually providing them now because they realize that preventative care is actually healthier than than not. So EAP allows usually, you know, you'll have to check with yours, but usually it's like six to eight visits and you can go for different problems and you can go for like, let's say that the family has a problem and it's husband and wife and a kid then the wife could go for individual sessions. The husband could go for individual. The kid could go for individual for six each. And then they could come together as a family and do six. Oh, that's great. So, or if it's a different, like a different, let's say the diagnosis changes, like the diagnosis changes from, I don't know, adjustment disorders, usually what we like start off with. Cause it's kind of like a catch all for like, there's a problem. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, then they find out that there's trauma and maybe they want to do like EMDR training or, or uh, therapy or um, like hypnosis or something like mm-hmm. that, then the EAP sometimes will, sometimes they won't, but, but there's different options and you have to talk to your EAP, you know, you'll call the EAP and it's totally one of the things that, that I find, especially with like other therapists or other pe- like teachers or doctors who, who feel like other people might find out. I was just going to say that. So there's people listening to this right now saying, there's no way I want to bring my drama to work and my employer find out and the HR department finding out that, you know, I'm, I'm having marital issues or I'm having uh, a mental breakdown or stress or anxiety from this guy I'm dating or this woman I'm seeing. Right. So I think most of our listeners know what HIPAA is, at least here in the United States. Um, here in the U.S., HIPAA laws protect people medically. It's confidentiality. So if that confidentiality gets broken by any means, then that person can actually be fined or go to jail. I mean, there's like big consequences for breaking confidentiality of your patients. So um, the EAP is specifically designed to be a separate entity. So it's not anything that like they don't know who your boss is. They don't know who you, they don't have any contact with any of that. You know, they might know the company that you work for, but like they're, they can't go. And if they did, they would get in trouble and they, you know, we're vetted for that. It's like, nobody wants to lose their license. Right. <laughs> and, and, and for my listeners sake, I've used EAP um, a number of times in the past and it's extremely simple. You go to HR, you get the EAP number. When you call, you get a, um, somebody who's on there and they do an intake and that intake is just a, a few questions that they might ask you. They want to make sure that you're in, uh, that you're okay in that present time. And then they say, um, 
great. What we're going to do is we're going to send you over a list of therapists in your area that can't that are that specialize in the area that you're having challenges with. Um, pick one out. Call us back. We'll give you a code. You give that code to the therapist, and you get six free s- sessions. And here's the other thing that people listening need to also know is when those sessions are over and you're out of EAP sessions and you're, if your insurance is not going to cover it anymore, or you don't have any kind of coverage, the therapist will normally work with you. You know, there's a sliding scale. They'll, they don't, they don't want to lose a client by, by any means, but they also want to keep helping you and they're familiar with your situation. So talk to them. Right. Am I right? One of my suggestions for people, though, is when you call around to the therapists, ask them if they take your insurance, because that just makes it easier. Okay. And outside of that, yeah. what else should they be asking? Like, what are some good things that they should be looking for when choosing the right therapist? Well, one of the kind of cool things about EAP with, you know, the therapy sessions is they'll usually allow you to like check them out one or two sessions. And if you just don't feel a fit they'll give you six sessions with a different therapist because they understand that not everybody's a fit. Like, I mean, I've had clients that I've referred over to other people and not because I couldn't help the the person, but because there just wasn't, we weren't jiving. There was something that just wasn't rapport building, you know, therapeutically, it just wasn't cool. And so I have no problem. And most therapists don't have a problem with that because we want to help. You know, we don't like, it's not like I need to keep this client (laughs) because I need extra clients. It's, 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 we're a helping profession. And I'm sure that there's people who are not like that, but, but yeah. So here's another question that the the listeners might want if they're listening to this right now. So if you're, if you're an individual that's looking for relationship help and you're a female, is it better to get a female therapist or male therapist? And same if you're, if you're a guy, if you're a guy and you want help, is it better to get a female or male or does it not matter? I think it totally depends on what you're comfortable with, you know, and, and sometimes too, like when you have a couple that where there's one person who's like, just kind of, eh, I don't know, I want to know, maybe say, Hey, why don't you pick the therapist? That's a great idea. Yeah. Because then it, it puts that control back into their hands a little bit and maybe they're more comfortable with it. Yeah. I mean, therapy shouldn't be forced on people. I mean, that's one of the reasons why in an intake, we ask, even the kids, you know, we ask them, do you really want to be here? And if they say no, then we're like, okay. (laughs) Right. As I said earlier, you can lead a horse to water. Um, So some of the other things is uh, what type of frequency would you recommend? If you're having a relationship issue and you want to go, so I think it's a two-part question. So is it, you know, he goes by himself first and she goes by herself and then they go together. And how often do you think that that should happen? Well, first off, a therapist should never see people individually and as a couple separately. You should have separate because of confidentiality for one and for comfort reasons and safety and security, because there might be things that I want to say about my spouse or that they want to say about me that we might not feel comfortable sharing with them and we have to work through it with a therapist. So Wait, having so your you're own saying therapist. That they should be by themselves? Different, different therapists. Really? Yeah. So you like you should have a different therapist for individual than you do for couples. Okay. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't know that. So, But if it is a couple's counseling, all of the sessions should be with a couple is what you're saying. Right. 
I mean, not necessarily. So let's say that a couple comes in and then we identify that like the wife has some issues from Mm -hmm. the past and wants to talk by herself. That would be fine. Right. That would be ethically. I mean, it's not illegal, but I mean, it's, it's just kind of an ethical thing that like therapists don't, it's just not, it's not therapeutic to see individual people because then you, you know, stories about them Mm -hmm. separately. You know, if it comes out when they're a couple and, and they, they hit that wall. And so the other partner knows that it's like, Maybe not them. Maybe it's you know. But don't you think that? Don't you think individuals might be might be more apt to say more if they're by themselves with that counselor? Well, yeah. I mean, they'll be a little bit braver, more comfortable. Could be. Mm -hmm. I mean, it just it depends on the situation and what they're coming in for. Are there situations where listeners listening to this right now should just not even? go to counseling, they should just end it and walk away. I mean, or, or in your opinion, should they always try, you know, the counseling first before they end it? My advice is if your partner does not want to go to counseling, you can't make them, but you should go to counseling by yourself. If you feel like that's an issue. Best answer. Absolutely. Because it's not, I mean, counseling, even couples counseling doesn't necessarily have to be about the couple. Right. It, it, it is the individual. So if you're listening to this right now and you feel like help is needed, don't keep yourself from going because he or she doesn't want to go. You can still go. I've done that in the past. I've gone by myself and I've, uh, you know, did the self-help there and I benefited a lot from it. It, it, was, it was great. It was the first time I had ever gone and I said to myself, I should have done this a long time ago. Yeah. I mean, a lot of times when people get into therapy, they're like, oh, I thought this would be different than it is. Right. A- absolutely. And another thing that I want to tell the people and the listeners to the show is don't think that you're going to go to see this counselor and you're going to lay on a couch and they're just going to tell you what to do and give you all the ideas. The, the whole thing behind therapy is they're teaching you how to fish. Yeah, exactly. Um Psychoeducation sometimes. So I've had resistant people come into counseling, you know, and they come in and they've got their arms crossed and they're like, I really don't want to be here, but they came, you know, and then it's, it's the education of what we're going to do. And there's so many different types of therapy. I mean, we could do a whole, we could probably do two of these shows on or more on all the different types of therapy that that there are out there. Yes. Um, And that's, that's important too, is to kind of pick the right, Thing. So if you're if if you're going because you're having couple relationship problems, go to a couples counselor. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Johnny, I think this was awesome. You gave I think uh, all of my uh, podcast listeners some really really great insight. Um, gave me some new insight on a few things here, so that's awesome. And if you have any questions, you're listening to the show, and you have any any other questions, post them on Facebook.com backslash the Swipe Club. And we will get them answered. And um, make sure you share this podcast to all of your friends and family because everybody could use a little bit of help. And I can't wait to do the next episode with Johnny. Awesome. 